Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast and our Scares and Dares episode where we review our favorite horror movie scare of the week and give you the NFL player prop bets we dare to make. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time and with me as always for our Scares and Dares episode, senior staff writer, Joanne Cohn. Hey everyone. How you doing, Joanne? Good. Alright, we got plenty to talk about this week, so let's get it rolling. We're going to give you our scare of the week, which is Terrifier 2 from 2022, and then we're going to give you our player prop bets that we dare to make. Let's go. So let's start with our scare of the week this week, and that is the 2022 movie Terrifier 2 streaming on Amazon Prime. You'll find this movie at a not-so-brisk two hours and 18 minutes. Yeesh. And uh, it's uh, interesting because it was actually released wide by theaters in October 2022, re-released recently on November 8th of 2023. Written and directed by Damian Leone, produced by Stephen Della Sella, Phil Falcone, Jason Levy, and Michael Levy. So this stars Lauren Levera as Sienna Shaw and David Howard Thornton returns as Art the Clown. And last week, we talked about the first movie in the series and a little bit about All Hallows' Eve, which is the anthology film where Art the Clown comes from. Um, but now we're going to talk about Terrifier 2. So we take it on to the next step here, and it essentially picks up right after the original Terrifier in many ways. Of course, there's two different timelines there. Spoiler alert if you didn't listen to our first podcast on Terrifier. But either way, uh, let's give you a little bit of background on the movie itself. And then let's dive right into it. Okay, so after being resurrected following the Miles County Massacre, Art the Clown brutally murders the coroner investigating his body with a hammer. He goes on to the laundromat to clean his clothes where he encounters the little pale girl, a mysterious girl in similar clown attire. A year later, teenager Sienna Shaw is finishing up on her Halloween costume, which happens to be an angel warrior that's based on a sketch made by her dad, who recently died of a brain tumor. Sienna's younger brother, Jonathan, wants to dress as Art the Clown for Halloween and has become fixated with him since discovering sketches of him and his victims from the Miles County Massacre in their dad's sketchbook. So that night, Sienna has a nightmare where she encounters Art and awakens to a fire on her dresser, which destroys the wings that were needed for her costume, while the sword that was gifted to her from her father remains unscathed. Mysteriously, Art appears in the periphery around both Sienna and Jonathan throughout that day, leading up to a more direct terrorizing of them by going after their friends and then them both personally on Halloween night. So I'll stop there because I don't want to give away too much about the film, but that's essentially the setup and it kind of goes on from there. So let's, uh, what do you think, Joanne? Tell us what you thought about the film. Um, So I think if you see Terrifier and Terrifier 2, you have to, understand that there is two timelines i think that's where we got a little confused and we saw terrifier and terrifier too because we were like didn't really understand that there were two separate timelines because when you see the first one um it kind of almost runs uh parallel yeah like with the second one right so if you haven't seen it spoiler but there is an interview with the sole survivor in Mm -hmm. the first episode right 
I mean, the first movie, I say episode, but yeah. the first movie. And then when you see Terrifier 2, you see the same interview. Right. Um, uh, happening so it it so it, it's almost running like you know loop or like parallel to both things right so, so victoria hayes is a survivor right. from the first movie but they start with the interview and then they show what happened leading up to the interview which isn't revealed until the end of the movie right you don't you don't realize that it's it that the interview happened one year after, after the event yes. of of terrifiers so right but yeah so the second the terrifier 2 picks up um, supposedly right after he gets resurrected yep. at the uh, coroner's um, the Op- uh, yeah, office. office. <laughs> I don't want to call it an office because yeah. it's the morgue. Yeah, the morgue. There you go. Let's just right. call it what it is. But, um, but yeah, but uh, it, it was, it was, I think we were talking about this because you said that you and, and reviewers said there was more of a story where you said Terrifier the original had no story. Well, it had very limited stories. Right? And I said and I said to you, well, you could kind of say no story is a story because it rolls into two, which you say created this huge backlog of what ifs. No, I mean, it's not necessarily a, a, a what if thing. It's, it's more as they're hinting at a wider universe of information that you're starting to see some character development. Because one of my problems, if you remember from last, last episode, then the we talk about Terrifier. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, the last episode, episode of oh, our podcast yes, yes. where we talked about the last movie yes. is that there wasn't really a particular story involved. It was an hour and a half of just a clown going around and killing people. Right. Yes. And, you know, as much as I enjoy the practical effects and the kind of callback to old 80s slasher movies, there really wasn't much more than that. Okay. Which I think is okay because sometimes no story is a story in itself. That's fine. That's, I don't. But if you're going to have a sequel, I mean, so if that was the only Terrifier movie they ever made, I'd be fine with that because that's obviously it was basically an exercise in utilizing practical effects at, at a very low budget and yeah. and basically having um, uh, having Art the Clown go around um, being very terrifying as a mime. Right. <laughs> so so that I get that right. right. So I totally get that. Uh, but I think when you're going to go with another movie. Then you really do need a story. You right, can't, you you can't, can't have more of the same. Right, you can't hash the same thing over again, which is why I was saying, even though the first movie, as you said, had no story and the critics said the same thing, mm-hmm. I say it doesn't need it because you're being introduced to this character and you don't always need a background but we at that time. already got introduced to the character in All Hallows Eve. I mean, we, we already had like the 15 minute intro that he's a killer clown that kills people in horrific ways. And apparently can't die. So I mean, we are we kind of got that already. And I didn't think we really. I mean, so but anyway, I get it though, because Terrifier really kind of expounded on the idea. It's almost like All Hallows Eve was a was a script treatment and ter- for Terrifier. Yeah, and Terrifier is kind of built it out. That's how I felt too. I mean, because I don't think um, All Hallows Eve was seen by a lot of people. Um, Terrifier, I think, was probably seen by more people. Mm-hmm. And I think after the introduction of Terrifier terrifier 2 they were able to develop into something a little bit more okay so let me talk about something so let me roll into something else because we say veronica hayes uh, victoria hayes was obviously the survivor from the terrifier 
her character had almost zero background. Yeah, she right? has no background. The 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 main well, no, character. No, sure. Well, we know a little bit about her because she was a college student. Right, right, but right, but, but and she went to go pick up her. And she was super annoyed because she had to pick up her sister. Right, but that's it. Like we heard, we we barely knew anything about her. I mean, Sienna Shaw, the the final girl in this particular movie, and her brother Jonathan had a lot more backstory, I think. I mean, obviously they built up the fact that her father recently passed away from a brain tumor and had this mysterious sketchbook, which had a number of drawings in it, many of which were of Art the Clown and his victims, and then this mysterious angel warrior armor that she decides to make for Halloween. But see, that's the thing. That this is this is um so this was one year after. So we could con- we could kind of deduce that maybe he saw Art the Clown previously. Oh, yeah. So maybe he was in the periphery somewhere or right. he's somehow exactly. related to Art the Clown. You know, exactly. We don't know what, what exactly right. happened. We don't know the relationship of why he has drawings of Art the Clown. And we don't know much about her dad, except for the fact that it apparently was a brain tumor. And he starts seeing things late in the, in the process. And that led to the sketchbook. So why was he drawing Art the Clown and his victims? We don't know. And why was he drawing this Angel Warrior costume and the sword? Well, we get a little bit of insight into that at the end of the movie. But that being said, it does allow for a bigger universe to be built out around Art the Clown. And Sienna Shaw, I thought, did a fantastic – I mean, I think that – not Sienna Shaw. I think that uh, that Sienna Shaw's character was quite good, and Lauren Levera, who actually has – this is her first film, did a fantastic job playing out that character because it was a – on one part, on one side, the typical '80s uh, final girl, but on the other side, a much stronger character in many ways. Right, because like usually, when in the '80s, you saw a lot of the uh, female roles, right, falling, screaming, not fighting back. Yes, and a lot of tripping. Right, a lot, <laughs> a of, lot tri- of tripping, which, which exists in Terrified Two as yes. well. You Don't can't, get you can't have a slasher movie about people tripping. Right. But at the same time, you've made these characters a little stronger by them fighting back, right. wh- which is something that a lot of them did not do. And and adding the aspect of her trying to protect her lo- little brother and the little brother having this fixation on Art the Clown, I mean, it does kind of build a lot more. And there's some periphery characters around this as well. She has a friend, best friend, and of course, and the best friend. A has couple a, of best friends. Yeah, a couple of best friends. So, I mean, there's a lot of other things going on here as well. So I think that really did help in many ways develop the story. Now, two hours and 18 minutes. Very long. That's very long. It was very long. (laughs) I don't think you will find anywhere a slasher movie in the 80s that lasted over two hours. No, no. And and in all honesty, I felt like they really could have trimmed it. Uh, yeah, I, I, dis, I do not disagree with that. I think that there was a lot of places they could have made it faster. Yeah. One of which was this freaking dream sequence, which, uh, you know, I, I don't think I'm spoiling anything here, but Robert Rodriguez once said that if you are, if you make a movie and it's too short, then add a dream sequence mm-hmm. because it doesn't in any way impact the movie. It doesn't change the movie timeline at all. It doesn't impact any of the characters at all because it was a dream. You can do whatever you want. Right. You just fill up 10 minutes of nonsense and it doesn't even have to make sense because it's a dream. I kind of feel like that's what happened here because I understand why they did the dream sequence because they wanted to have it move into reality, you know, the burning of her wings after she wakes up. Right. But 
they didn't need to have i mean that dream sequence was supposed to last 10 minutes yeah it was long it was yeah it, it didn't make any sense and also the party the halloween party was i thought too long ridiculous yeah. I, what was the point of that there was, yeah. there was no reason to drag that out i mean you right there we would have trimmed this to two hours <laughs> <laughs> just to, to, by cutting those two things out and it doesn't even have anything to do with the plot yeah uh so i i really do think that they went a little bit too long they needed a little self-editing here um, and, and I, I know why people love dream sequences. You can be ultra creative there and, mm-hmm. and there's no danger because no one of your characters are ever impacted by right. it. Although I, I thought it was interesting that they allowed Arctic Clown to visit dreams. That kind of reminded me a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, that's what I thought too. I mean, I feel like now uh, with Terrifier 2, they're pulling in a lot of uh, parts from the uh, 80s horror movies. Right. Like, that's what they're More doing More so now. than just playing pure slashers. Right. But, but now going into almost the, like I said, the Nightmare on Elm Street mythos. Like, yeah. like, you know, when you have the ability to do more than just be a psycho over and right. killing people. And you're unkillable. Yeah. Yeah. Unkillable. That, that was the whole idea of uh, all these 80s, like, horror horror um, characters was they were all killable. Unless, unless you didn't believe in him, remember? Because yeah. Freddy Krueger... That's you, what she said, but then he came back, yeah. so... That's because they, they knew they could make more money of another movie. That's why. It <laughs> had nothing to do with it. Like, if, if there's more money to be made, or if people believe in me, I will be back. That's basically the Nightmare on Elm Street Freddy Krueger thing. All right, let's go to what did you like most and what did you like least about the movie? Um, So what I liked most about the movie was the um, special effects in this one. The and practical I, effects, I yeah. think that we talked about like how much uh, work they put into uh, some of the effects yes. with uh, the scenes, uh, the I guess like the the mutilation scenes right. of the victims, right. how much work they had to do. So they didn't really use CGI, but they used like mannequins and robotics and yes. people controlling them with sticks. Right, right. And then people, yeah, it was <laughs> it was quite it was quite a lot of effort. When you read into what they went through in order to do right. it, and without CGI, and and I think they did they did only do use CGI when they needed to. There is a particular scene that is infamous now uh, because it's where. Uh, are presumably, at least according to what people are saying, people fainted, they threw up, they react, walked out of the uh, theater during the pre-screening of the scene where a particular character is is mutilated by Art the Clown. So that required them to use a full animatronic body as well as five different people hidden behind the the bed, the bedroom walls, all this other stuff, and all sorts of other things. And they, they even used like a, a balloon in in their in the chest cavity to make it look like they're breathing hard. I mean, they did a lot of stuff, yes. physical no, physical and, stuff. And I gotta really respect them going that route. Right. And I think and 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 I said it uh, like you could tell like even though they're quick glimpses, you know that they're wax figures or you know that they're not real the actual person. And 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 I always say like one of my pet peeves is when you're going through that much torture, you. You can't stay awake. Right, but that would be you, a really lame movie, though, if they all passed out. Right, like, <laughs> you just can't stay awake. I mean, the pain in itself from the first blow would knock you unconscious. Right. And if it didn't knock that, you unconscious, just the shock of it, you would be out. But that's why this is fiction and not nonfiction, <laughs> thankfully. Thankfully, this is not nonfiction. But that being said, I, I do think that they, that they did use CGI in certain places Right, where they needed appropriately. to, yes. Like in that scene, they actually did CGI the face of the actress onto the animatronic 
so that she could have facial expressions right. and that she could react to certain things, which made it more realistic. Right. Because that's something you can't do with animatronics. Right. Well. But for most of it, they really stuck to, I think, the uh, the old, old school. Um, yes. Doing, practical effects. Yeah. Old school of, practical of effects. Of doing these things. And I think I really appreciate that in this movie. And I think I said that we said that last. And that's something too. that Damien yeah. Leone is known for. So I think yeah. that's probably why he decided to continue to focus on that mm-hmm. for this particular movie. Okay. When what did you like least? Ah, uh, the length. Yeah, runtime was way yeah, too long. Yeah, it was just so long. And, you know, I, I rewatched it again. And, you know, I was thinking, <laughs> like, so long. thinking that, you know, maybe it's okay that it's that long. And I was like, no, it's no. not okay. No, it's I mean, long. the more you, the funny thing is, the more you watch it, you notice how long it is and right. how much time it occupies. Because you now know that that dream sequence has no impact on the rest of the movie other than the fire. So now you're watching this saying, why are we looking at this? Why are we doing this? Right. But also you're like, but you catch things where in the beginning, like you said, like you don't know what's coming up, but now you're like, Oh, well, why is this even in here? But some, yeah, yeah. You, you know, but that, it's, but it's yeah. so, how little impact the scene has and it has no place being in the movie. It doesn't lead anywhere. Right. Um, again, I, mean, I was rewatching it. I feel like this movie could have been under like two hours. Well, easily yeah, under two under hours. Two I hours. think under an hour and 45 minutes would have been better. You know, I was thinking like, I was thinking that it would hit an hour 45. I don't know if it would be under an hour, but it would hit an hour 45. Yeah. Well, anyway, this is uh, the cardinal sin. This is worse than what Robert Rodriguez would do. <laughs> uh, if you've ever seen El Mariachi, where he had a long where the guy's basically kicking his head around for no good reason for like 10 minutes because he had to kill more time to make it fit the (laughs) runtime. That's exactly what I felt like was going on here. But I felt like they didn't need a runtime. Why did they need an over two-hour runtime? They didn't. They didn't. I think this was self-editing. They did not do a good job of editing. So, again, Dominic Leone, great job with the practical effects. A little bit more self-editing, please. Uh, (laughs) What I like most about it, of course, again, is David Howard Thornton as Arthur Clown. He is magnificent as the mime psychopath clown having a good time. And of course the mysterious pale little girl um, who we, I'd like to know more about. Uh, uh-huh. We know it. No, she was one of his victims. Well, I mean, said. but, but I would be nice to know a little bit more about why she took that place as being the pale little girl. Well, that, this is what's interesting. Cause we talked about this and we said that we actually thought that she was a creation of art the clown oh, oh absolutely like absolutely. she wasn't actually really there that was his creation but then but then she physically does stuff in the movie does she yeah i mean no at the i'm end. thinking maybe she doesn't so you're saying everybody's seeing her do this stuff but i don't know <laughs> I mean, you just don't know well, i mean we're living this movie is now like out of I, the bounds of reality i'm just saying that, that i would like to know more about the little pale girl but i think that she was I thought she does a great character oh, yeah, and definitely. added a little bit more. Again, another example of how they're building out Arthur Clown. Yeah. Like there's more to him than just a killer psycho clown. And again, what but I like. I least, always, I always thought there was more to him. Well, we all did, but, but we never, we never knew what it was. And, and now we get a little bit of that. And I think that's great. And I, what I like least, of course, is like you, the runtime way too extended. should be much shorter. Give us your scare meter from zero to 10, zero being um, it's my little pony, 10 being I poop my pants. I gave this one a seven. Oh, so did I. What do you know? I, you know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, when I first saw Terrifier, I was like, it's a great character. Like the, the murder scenes were really good. You know, I, I liked all that stuff. Right. Right. And, um, and so I gave it an eight. When you watch the next version of it, uh, it's a lot of the same. Well, I think that the length made loves, it scary. He loves popping out those eyeballs. Yeah, you know yeah, he does a lot, but that's what, what's where practical effects come into play, right? right? An eyeball exactly. and I, is popping physical. Popping out an eyeball, yes, it's very and like caving in chest. 
Yeah. Um, Again, more nice work effects. on flesh. Also, yeah. very like the makeup work, excellent. Right. right. And all that stuff. But yeah, run to, It's just it's. There's only so many ways you could do it. And still, like if you see it, it it, it is scary. Like it's, it's scary. a lot of body horror. It's a it's a lot of things that could happen. Well, I would say gore. Let's go body horror. Yeah, I, well, I guess gore uh, outside of body horror. But I say body horror because they're uh, demolishing I, bodies. Yeah, but I always think of body horror as like David Cronenberg. You yeah, know, like I, yeah, I know. Weird I guess, yeah. You know, like go- I feel like this is more like gory. It is. Yeah, that's a lot of gore, and I think for that reason, it is like on the uh, I think if you were to watch it is on the scarier side of yep, things. I agree. But like it's it's Well I, I again a seven okay. for both of us. Okay. Stars zero to four, four being the best, zero being the worst. What do you give it? You know, I, I gave it a three. No, me too. What do you know? We're think in sync today. Um <laughs> the funny and like they said, uh the original one I just I gave it a three point five because of the character. Because it's new. Yeah. It has been such a long time since they've created a new character that I think will survive 20 years, 30 years. Like I think Arthur clown is in it for the long haul. Well, he certainly has a developed character now that is part of the the lore, but you know, as you see it and you know, as you keep going through it, you know, great job. Just so long. I had to, you know, just bring it down a notch, especially after seeing it the second time. And I'm just like, it didn't need to be this long. Oh yeah, I totally agree. So I also gave it a three and I think it's because I thought it was a better story than the original (laughs) and a bigger reveal behind Arthur Clown's origins and, you know, all the practical effects still very, very, very well done. I mean, like the makeup work, the practical, but everything, great job. The acting, Arthur Clown, great job. The others, it's what you would expect in an 80s uh, slasher movie. Yeah, but but, but that, that being said, Lauren Levera, again, a great first uh, opportunity to be on the screen. Yeah. You know, I think that was well done. Okay, so what do the critics say? Critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes, 86%, everybody, pretty high. Ter- and the critics' consensus is Terrifier 2 outdoes the original in every way, which makes it bad news for the squeamish, but a bloody good time for genre enthusiasts. Uh, what do audiences say? Well, they gave it an 80%, and they say hardcore slasher fans may wonder why Terrifier 2's gore was so heavily hyped, but they'll also enjoy the old-school horror in Art the Clown's second act. So go check it out, Art the Clown in Terrifier 2. It's available on Amazon Prime. According to this, it's also available on Peacock. Who knew? <laughs> All right, so everybody go check it out. That'll be fun. And for now, let's hit the boxing bill on that. Okay, so very briefly, um, we should talk about our picks last week uh, because of the fact that we did have our picks last week, and we're both one and one last One and week. one, yeah. That was disappointing. Yeah, and I think that I, I missed on Derrick Henry. I thought that he was going to have a much better day, but he had a horrible, horrible day, um, and I don't really know <laughs> who is to blame for that um, aside from the fact that I just made a very, very bad call. Um, as for you, uh, I think you missed on uh, one of them as well. And I actually don't remember which one it was because you had two quarterbacks, right? I think yes, it was Bryce Young I, or no, it was Baker Mayfield. No, no, Will Levis. Will Levis. It was Will, Will Levis, Levis, right? Yeah. So the Will Levis over two. So 21. Tennessee like kind of destroyed us both. Yes, Tennessee took us down uh, for sure. So Will yeah. Levis did not make the over on two twenty two twenty one point five passing yards. Uh, Derrick Henry did not make the over on sixty four point five rushing yards. He was way under actually. Uh, but Baker Mayfield did hit his two hundred forty two point five total passing yards. So congratulations to Baker Mayfield. And I had Mac Jones under 221.5, and I hit that as well. In fact, Mac Jones got replaced. He was so bad. So we may not see Mac Jones again. We may not be able to make another one. So let's move on to this week 
and talk about our our dares, our prop bet dares that we dare to make. So uh, week 11, what do you got as your pick? Uh, my first pick is I'm going to do two quarterbacks again this week. Okay. I'm a glutton for punishment. Indeed. So I'm going to go this time with C.J. Stroud. Okay. And he is stated for 267.5, and I'm going to go with the under. Wow, that's, that's I bold. Know. That's it bold. Is bold. Stroud is still hot right now. I know. C.J. Stroud is coming off of two really uh, big games in the mm. last two weeks against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Cincinnati Bengals, right. both of which were he had very south of 267.5. Right. But both teams are sitting on the bottom of uh, the pass defense in the NFL. Uh-huh. So, uh, which is surprising that Cincinnati has the eighth worst defense in the league right now, yeah. and the Buccaneers has the second worst. So they're they're pretty down there. They are. Um. So they they uh C J Stroud is playing the Arizona Cardinals this week yep. uh, in week eleven, and they're coming off a very narrow win against the Atlanta Falcons. Only their second of the year. Yes. <laughs> but Kyler Murray's back though. But right? Kyler Murray is back. Yes. So, um, so now, so I mean, we all know, like Houston is not a team that you could take for granted anymore. No, I they're mean, for real. Yeah, they are for real. And I don't know when that happened, but like they are suddenly like, uh, you know, very shockingly good. Yeah. But regardless of that, and just because I'm saying he's gonna hit the under does not mean that they're going to lose. Right. Of course. Right. Right. So, uh, so, um, so with top defenses and as top defenses i'm meaning you know uh, the midway mark so and like above. The, so 16 and above maybe yeah, 16 okay. and above like cj stroud like and the texans just don't the, they just don't do that well with them okay so um they uh, when they played against um atlanta uh they lost okay and they were ranked uh 10th okay uh, the Arizona Cardinals, currently they're ranked uh, 11th in the pass defense. Okay. So, you know, I'm thinking that's that's like south of 16. Yeah. Um, so I think that Stroud, you know, he's not going to he's not gonna go over the estimate. Even though he might come close, I don't think he's going to pass it. Okay. So he had, uh, Stroud had 249 passing yards against Atlanta. Uh-huh. Strangely enough. Um, Kyler Murray also had 249 yards against um, Atlanta. <laughs> Atlanta. Weird. And Atlanta, uh, uh, um, Atlanta, uh, Arizona's defense only allowed 70 passing yards combined against um, against uh, Arizona. No, the, Arizona only allowed 70 passing yards uh, for Atlanta's quarterbacks. For T- Tyler Henneke? For both of them. And Desmond Ritter. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, I was shocked to see that, too. But, like, combined, like, they only got 70. So, yes, we know C.J. Stroud better than these two quarterbacks. Okay? Uh, okay. Yeah, or pretty we're thinking, clear that we're he thinking is. he's better. He so, is, by far. Right. <laughs> so, I'm thinking, like, you know, he's going to do better than 70, but not better than 267. And also, Arizona has the fifth worst run defense. Right. So, so that's, that's what I was thinking. So because of that, I think Stroud and, and Houston will take advantage of that. Devin Singletary had a, had a record day last week, 250, 150 yards. Right. So because of that, like, why struggle in the pass game if you know that their, your, their run game is weak? But you have to throw it. 
you you can't just run it. You have right. to throw it. And C.J. Stroud more of a pocket passing quarterback than a scrambling quarterback. Right. Really, so. so I mean, you're gonna. I think that he's he's gonna come close, but I don't think he's gonna go over. Okay. So you're gonna have C.J. Stroud under 267.5 passing yards this weekend against the Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. My first pick is also in that game with the same team, the Houston Texans, but I have one. For Nico Collins, the wide receiver from the Houston Texans, the bet this week over under 56.5 rushing yards plus receiving yards. So that's total rushing yards plus receiving yards over under 56.5. I will take the over on 56.5 rushing plus receiving yards. So the Texans, again, as we've just been talking about, they're starting to make believers out of everyone. I mean, they won their last three of their last four. Uh, They have the second most passing yards per game of any team this season at 274.3 per game. And rookie C.J. Stroud, who we've been talking about, is on a massive heater. You mentioned the last two games. He's averaged 413 passing yards per game over that span. That is a lot of yards to go around. Now, Nico Collins, he was out in Week 10. He's now back without an injury designation. He's the clear-cut wide receiver one in that Houston offense when he's playing. He's averaging 78.9 receiving yards per game, which, surprise, surprise, is more than 56.5. Noah Brown, he hasn't practiced all week. Yeah. It's possible he plays. If he plays, he'll likely be limited. That leaves Collins and Tank Dell to pick up most of the receiving yards. We saw that. They can operate well together. They're both going to have plenty of yards, but that means more opportunity for Nico Collins. Now, interestingly, this prop is the same, whether it's receiving yards alone or both receiving plus rush yards. Now, Nico Collins has not run a single route this season. <laughs> yeah. But why not take the combo? You know, yeah, that he, might, might as well take he, the combo, he might yeah. run a sweep for two yeah. yards, and already you're better off. Yeah. So take the combo. I want to say that was a mistake. Like, I, I guess. I, it's I, weird. Like, it doesn't make much sense. No, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But but either way, I take the combo for 56.5. I think there's a lot of opportunity yeah. to go around there against the Cardinals. Uh, as we mentioned, they have Kyler Murray back now. He's likely to make this a much more competitive game which means more opportunity for Collins to pile up yards. So that's what I have. Nico Collins, they're locking in at over 56.5 receiving and rush yards total. All right, who's your second pick? Uh, my second quarterback is Bryce Young okay. of uh, Both rookies, Panthers. number one and yeah. two. Okay. And uh, he has uh, 190.5, and I'm going to go with the under. So under 190.5 passing yeah. yards. Under, okay. yeah. So Dallas, uh, when we're talking about defense, the pass, the pass defense, mm-hmm. Dallas has the second best pass defense in the league right now. Okay. Um, I can't talk about last week because, I mean, let's face it, it was a giant. Yes, they decimated the crap out of them. And, uh, you know, it was like their, what is it, like their backup play? I mean, it was just a it's whole. It was backup backup. It, it was, was Tommy a, DeVito. <laughs> it was just a whole lot of messy. So yeah. you can't go by that. But even – even without the Giants, like Dallas has done a good job holding back um, the uh, quarterbacks from their opposing teams. Yeah. And, you know, like whether they win or lose, right? Like they, they, they do a good job holding him back. And now we're going to Bryce Young, who hasn't been that great this season. I mean, you know, he's uh so he, he, yeah. that's saying it, that's the yeah. thing being very generous. He's, he's been, he's had one good game against, that was against the Texans, yeah. and he's been pretty mediocre. He's only otherwise. won once, and I thought that was interesting that they won against the Texans. I think he had something to prove, but yeah. then after that, I mean, it's pretty clear that Stroud is the real deal, and, right. and Bryce Young, the, the, the jury's still out on him. And I just really don't know what's going on with Carolina, but yeah, Bryce Young, he just... No targets. Yeah, just hasn't been there this year. Um, his uh, 
Bryson's biggest target is um, Adam, Adam Thielen. Thielen. Yeah, by a long you shot. Know? And if he doesn't connect with Adam Thielen, the, the game's just done. Yeah, like, basically. He doesn't yeah. really have another uh, receiver that he likes or has any connection with. Not like not like in Houston where they, he's connecting to Nico Collins, Tank Dell, mm-hmm. and Noah Brown. Yeah. And, he, and even uh, Dalton Schultz. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's amazing. But, like, yeah, so – I mean, the, the Bryce Young has had four games that's been over uh, 190.5, so oh. it's not like he can't reach it. Okay. Um, but I just don't, th- I just can't see them, um, him putting up those numbers uh, against, against Dallas. Dallas. So, yeah, like, I mean, and even though they were above 190, it, it wasn't like 400 passing yards or mm. 350 passing yards. Not, you know, not like, like CJ Stroud. Yeah, it was like 200, 270, 220. Right. I mean, so I, I'm just going to say, like, Against the pass game, I don't think. Uh, well, they're gonna have to pass to keep up, but they it. but they don't really have a lot of options in terms of like. Uh, well, that's targets. the thing. Like you know, Dallas also has a weaker run game, but then you know who's gonna do the running? And... Well, they shut down Tommy DeVito, who's yeah. obviously not uh, Bryce Young, but still, uh, it doesn't bode well for our friend Bryce Young. And so you're taking the under. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna on take 190. two unders yep. today. All right, yeah. so the under for Bryce Young at 190.5 passing yards. So my second pick is the. A quarterback on the other side of the ball of that game know, yeah. is Dak Prescott. Yes. And uh, the the prop bet I'm looking at is over under 12.5 rushing yards. So mm-hmm. that's Dak Prescott over under 12.5 rushing yards. I will take the over on 12.5 rushing yards. So Dak Prescott, he has been El Fuego over the last couple of weeks with wins over the Giants, Chargers, and Rams in a close game against the Eagles where they almost won. The good news for those looking to capitalize on Prescott's run is that regardless of the score, the Cowboys always keep their feet on the gas. Yeah. They do not lay off in any stretch of the imagination. Even in week 10, that's the, the game that we're just talking about, <laughs> there's, no, there's no arguing with that. They're obviously jerks. But in week 10, when the hapless Giants were being absolutely destroyed by them and ultimately losing by a score of 49-17, to 17, the Cowboys kept on pushing the ball down the field and yeah. scoring all through the game to the fourth quarter. Yeah. Prescott totaled over 420 total yards and five touchdowns. I think they were really disappointed because they wanted to go for the 50-burger and couldn't. Yeah. yeah, they were a little bit short of that. So even though they, they faced the lowly one-win Panthers in Week 11, uh, I don't see the Cowboys letting up. I think no, they're going to score at will, and they will continue to score, and he will push it and push and push it. Prescott has averaged 15 rush yards per game this season. Recently, the the uh, the number of games that are, the three of the last four that I talked about, you know, the fact of the matter is that he has exceeded 12.5 rush yards in each of those games. He's actually exceeded it in, in the game against the Eagles too. So all four of his last games, he's exceeded 12.5 rush yards. And coincidentally, that's when he's looked better. He's looked better when he rushes, when he uses his legs. And I think he will continue to do that because they know that's a winning formula. The Panthers allow the 17. The seventh most rush yards per game, 131.9 of any team in the NFL this season. And there's a good chance at least 10% of that is going to come from Prescott. He's oh, done sure. it. He's definitely going to do it again, I think. So I like the over for Prescott on 12.5 rush yards. And there we have it, guys. That is the end of the show. Let's hit the air horn in the show. And that's all the time we have. And, of course, I will tell everybody that we are brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off of free shipping with promo to- code Garbage Time at manscaped.com and we're also brought to you by BetUS. Receive 125% sportsbook bonus upon initial deposit. Use the link in our podcast description to get this special offer. Okay, Joanne, give us your social media so people can follow you. It's at Kung Fu for you, formerly Twitter, now X. Yes, formerly Twitter, now X. Don't sue us, Elon. Um, and you can find me at FB Garbage Time on uh, X. <laughs> 
formerly Twitter, <laughs> or you can find me at the Football Garbage Time page on Facebook. As usual, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. We'll be back next time with more horror movie reviews and prop bets. Until then, watch those horror movie scares, make those NFL prop bet dares, and enjoy your NFL week. Good luck, everyone. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.